On his 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Brendan Mortensen here with you with an audio-only episode. Brendan, we had our opening day show earlier today, and we are here just to preview the season. Talk about our predictions, what we expect to happen during this 2022 season, maybe give some ideas as to who will debut this season. Got a lot to talk about here as the Orioles open their season down in St. Petersburg, Florida. Yeah, a tough opening weekend slate here for the Orioles as they have to go down to St. Petersburg and play the Rays. It's not ideal to start the year, but this is how the AL East is going to be all year long, so the Orioles are going to have to get used to it. This is how the season is going to be, 19 games against each AL East opponent, until we get to 2023, and then things are going to be hopefully a little bit easier, Brandon. That's when things are going to break the Orioles' way. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. If the Orioles do not have to play the AL East as much. I don't know if there's a team around baseball that is going to benefit as much as the Baltimore Orioles will for not having to play yeah. the AL East. Well, I suppose the rest of the teams, in the AL East will also benefit, but still really nice. We will get to our AL East predictions in just a bit, but Brendan, since our last podcast, since our last confession, uh, we have gotten the 28 man opening day roster and all spring, not only did we hear that the Orioles were going to go with 15 pitchers and 13 position players. But we repeated that lie yeah. because the Orioles do not go with that. They go with 14 on each side, 14 position players, 14 pitchers. And just like I predicted, DJ Stewart D sneaks in Stewart with the final roster spot as the Orioles go with five outfielders. The two guys that we have kind of written off as just not making the roster we didn't really talk about them. DJ Stewart and Joey Crable. Yeah. I think for almost the entire offseason, you and I both, Paul, just kind of went, well, they're not going to make the team. We thought that not only they are. would not make the team, we didn't think they'd make it to spring training. We thought yeah. they'd be roster casualties, 40-man roster casualties at some right. point. But instead, both those guys end up making the team. Zach Lowther does not. Keegan Aiken does. And the Orioles have yet to set their five-man rotation as of the, yeah. the time of this recording. Well, like I said today on our opening day show that I think if the Orioles had not traded Tanner Scott and Cole Sulcer, they would probably have 15 pitchers on this team at this point because Tanner Scott and Cole Sulcer were not going to be camp casualties. They were going to break the team. They were going to be two of probably the more well-established, better relievers on this roster, but you had some younger, exciting guys that you wanted to add as well. So I don't think you would have kept off a Felix Batista if you still had Scott and Sulcer on this team. I think you probably would have left off a DJ Stewart because you don't necessarily need five outfielders. Yeah, DJ Stewart is probably going to DH more than he plays the field because if you need a defensive replacement somewhere that's probably Ryan McKenna, which is why all offseason long, you and I really didn't see a role on this team for DJ Stewart. And of course, this comes with the caveat that we discussed last week, which is the opening day roster is simply the roster that they have on April 8th. The roster can change tomorrow if the Orioles decide. And 
it appears that at some point soon they will be changing this 28-man roster for the very reason that the Orioles are bringing back an old friend in Matt Harvey, Brendan. Yeah, Matt Harvey, again, we had him on our free agency bracket before a lot of the off-the-field things happened with Matt Harvey came to light. Obviously, we don't need to talk about that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about what Matt Harvey provided on the field and what he provided last year was innings. And that is what the Orioles need right now. We know the bullpen is still going to be a weak point on this team. They are going to struggle, especially without two of the arms that they just traded away. So you need some guys who are going to at least give you five innings. That's why the Orioles signed Jordan Lyles this offseason, because he is an absolute innings eater. And I think down the line, the Orioles might need a similar kind of role to probably a lesser quality with Matt Harvey, but he's still going to give you four or five innings at the very least. And they are working on a deal as of right now on a minor league deal with him. And I know the concern from Orioles fans because not only do you have the off the field stuff, which, you know, again, we won't get into, but he's not ready right now to join this rotation. Right. Or to even join the bullpen. He's got to ramp up in Sarasota before he can even be considered uh, for Baltimore. And I'm guessing maybe in the time in between, he might get a Norfolk assignment or a Bowie assignment just to get himself his arm back into throwing shape. And that leaves about a month or at least three or two weeks during which the Orioles don't have a designated fifth starter. And it feels like the time for a Matt Harvey or a veteran of that ilk on a minor league deal would be the first month of the season. The Orioles have four starters in the rotation right now. They're desperate for guys who can go deep into games right now. Right. More so than they will be in a couple months when maybe a Zach Lowther and Alexander Wells is ready to take over or a Kyle Bradish or a D.L. Hall is ready to take over in the rotation. If Matt Harvey is ready May 1st, that's around the time when we may be seeing a Kyle Bradish, a D.L. Hall. So it feels like Matt Harvey, it feels like a, a, a signing would be more useful right now. Somebody that can impact your team right now and slot into the fifth spot as opposed to Matt Harvey for whom you're going to have to wait. Yeah, that's my long-term concern, long-term as in down the line over the next few months with Matt Harvey. If he was ready to go April 1st, like you mentioned, this makes sense because you do not have a fifth starter in the rotation right now. But even then, it begs the question of who do you justify starting Matt Harvey over at this point? I know the Orioles do not have a fifth starter solidified right now. But there are options that include Dean Kramer, Keegan Aiken, and Mike Bauman. I know that last season we did not see great numbers from Dean Kramer or Keegan Aiken, and we didn't get to see Mike Bauman even start games last year. But if your top four is going to be set with John Means, Jordan Lyles, Tyler Wells, and Bruce Zimmerman, are you really going to justify even a week from now? Let's say theoretically Matt Harvey magically ramped up and was ready to start Next Friday, are you going to justify starting Matt Harvey over Dean Kramer, over Keegan Aiken, over Mike Bauman? I don't think you can. The issue becomes, and I think part of this will be, some of this will sort itself out because injuries happen and guys don't end up being ready at the time when we may expect them to. So I think there will be innings available. I think starts will be available, but if everybody is healthy, if there are enough healthy members of this rotation, the Orioles are going to have some decisions to make. However, the nature of the contract, 
a minor league deal means that the Orioles could, in theory, if they're loaded in the rotation, good problem to have. They can cut ties with Matt Harvey and not be any worse for the wear. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I, I know Dean Kramer does not have the potential that we thought he had last year, but if I can't justify starting Matt Harvey over Dean Kramer, I'm certainly not going to justify starting him over Kyle Bradish in two months. Well, and so if there are injuries, like you said, maybe Matt Harvey has a role somewhere, but you just can't give him starts over some of your younger prospects. We will see how it goes because the Orioles are banking on the fact that they had time to work with him last year and they feel like they, Michael, I said, they, they kind of figured some stuff out. They were ready to unlock some things with Matt Harvey. Remember that he had that three-game stretch in July where he was very good, where he did not allow an earned run in starts against the Royals, the Nationals, and the Tigers, and then things kind of fell apart near the end of the season. Brandon Hyde at the time attributed that to probably exhaustion. Remember, he got shut down the first or second week of September. His arm had not been built up in previous years, so the hope is that the things that they unlocked in the second half of the season translate and carry over to 2022 without the arm fatigue issues. Right, and he did give you some quality innings last year. Like you mentioned, Mike Elias seems to be happy with what Matt Harvey provided to the 2021 Orioles, but I just don't know if a similar role exists this year. Yeah, we will see, and that's a question that we will have to answer, but probably not for a little while as we wait for him to ramp up. Brendan, let's get into our season predictions for this year because the number of prospects that are going to debut is going to be unlike anything that we've seen during the rebuild. And it's not just going to be guys getting their cup of coffee in the big leagues, which we will see at some point. We'll see guys that are not going to be long-term major leaguers make their debuts in Baltimore. But we're going to see some big names come off the board. In previous podcasts, we've given prediction dates of when these guys will debut. But by the end of the season, what are you imagining this rotation will look like? Realistically, not just ideal where the Orioles will be in terms of a rotation. But realistically, who do you think could cement his spot in a five-man rotation by the end of September? Well, it's interesting because I think that question was much easier when Tyler Wells was not a starter. I don't see a scenario this year, unless Tyler Wells is horrible in the starting rotation, I don't see a scenario in which you don't give Tyler Wells the year to prove that he can be a starter at the big league level. We know he can be a reliever, and if push comes to shove and Tyler Wells does not shove this year, I think he is going to go back into the bullpen and still be a good reliever. But Tyler Wells, I think, gets a full year to prove that he can be a starter. So I think the top three is pretty much set for the year with John Means, Jordan Lyles, and Tyler Wells. So you're imagining Lyles makes it through the season without being traded at the deadline. I think he does because I think his value is greater to the Orioles than it will probably be for another team. Because what Jordan Lyles is providing you this year is innings, is bullpen relief, is I can go six innings and yeah, maybe I'll give up four runs, but you'll be in the game and your bullpen will not have to be completely stretched. And while that is valuable to a rebuilding team like the Orioles that does not have a lot of starting pitchers that can do that, I don't think it's going to be all that valuable to a contender unless Jordan Lyles comes out and has a career year in terms of ERA. Maybe he gets flipped at the deadline. But after those top three, if we're talking about the very, very tail end of the year, I think you've got to look at 
some combination of Grayson Rodriguez, DL Hall, and Kyle Bradish, with a few guys working their way in there as well that could work their way through the minors. You and I have talked a lot about Drew Rom. We spoke with him yesterday. I think he has a chance to get up to Baltimore this year. Great quote from Drew Rom. He said something, okay, I'm now I'm going to butcher the quote, but something along the lines of, I'm going to force them to make a decision on right. me. Make it hard on them. Make, them, it, make it hard. What to, I believe, he, yeah. Steve Molesky asked him if he thought he could be in Baltimore, and he basically said, that's not up to me, but the goal is to pitch so well that I force Baltimore to make a hard decision about whether or not they want me in the majors. I love Drew Rahm's mentality. Drew Rahm's great. Yeah. And, and I think he fits into a similar mold of a Zach Lowther or Alexander Wells, maybe with a little bit of a higher upside. But I think those guys need to be in the conversation for the starting rotation at the end of the year as well. They just don't have the pedigree of a Rodriguez, Hall, or Bradish. Right. I think Rodriguez, if he is healthy, makes it through this season. I think he's he's got to be up there. Deal Hall, same story. Bradish, same story. And I, I think that there will be more of a market than you think for Lyles at the deadline. The example I used when he was signed was Andrew Heaney, who was traded from the Angels to the Yankees midseason last year. Traded to a team that already was pretty set on pitching, but they thought maybe he can eat some innings either as a starter or as a reliever. And frankly, he just was not having a great season when he was traded. The time of the trade through 18 starts, he had a 5-2-7 ERA. That's about what Jordan Lyles' career ERA is. He had a 515 ERA in 2021. So if Jordan Lyles can simply repeat that production through 15 or 18 starts, I think that there will be something that the Orioles can get back. It's not going to be a top 10 prospect from anybody's system, but I think that the Orioles might be able to get something back. Plus, it comes his contract comes with the team option for 2023. I think there are plenty of reasons teams will be intrigued by Lyles. Yeah, and I think it's entirely possible that the prospects could force Mike Elias's hand. Because if you get to July and Grayson Rodriguez is dominating AAA like we pretty much expect him to do, if D.L. Hall is looking like he is fully recovered from injury and is ready to go at the Major League level and Kyle Bradish succeeds at AAA as well, if all of those guys are ready to go by July, why are you holding on to Jordan Lyles at that point? Because you can make a five with those three prospects, John Means, and one other guy. And it doesn't even have to be July. The Orioles can pull, a, can pull a trade earlier than that. Remember that Andrew Kashner a couple of years ago, 2019 now, was traded second week of July. So a couple of weeks before the deadline because the Orioles saw the opportunity that the Red Sox presented in a trade offer for Kashner. So maybe the Orioles, if... if Lyles gets out to a hot start. Orioles cash in on that, pun intended, and they get, you know, some kind of prospects, and that opens up a spot in the rotation. Yeah. Um, so my starting five by the end of the season, I, if, again, if everybody stays healthy, that's the biggest thing here. But Means, Wells, Tyler Wells, not Alexander, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish, and D.L. Hall. That's that is good. a very, it, it may not be good this year. I want to keep that in mind. These guys are going to have their struggles. It's potentially very You know, good. it's it's not, you know, we've seen plenty of highly touted prospects come up and have a 60 or either rookie year. So it may not be good on the field this year, but boy, is it going to be exciting. And it gives you a reason to watch every single night. If you have a, a guy who is between the ages of 23 and 26, who is formerly a top prospect getting the ball four out of every five nights with John Means getting the ball every fifth night, that's an exciting rotation right there. Yeah, and this is more of kind of a big picture mentality when you're looking at this season. 
Michael Elias has said that this year is going to be unlike any other in terms of the prospects that we will see in combination with some of the younger players that we already have at the major league level, like Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle. The wins may not be there this year, but I think by the end of 2022, even if we are not looking at the Orioles as playoff contenders, as a team that doesn't have a bottom five record in the league, whatever it might be, I think we can realistically get to the end of 2022 with a really, really exciting baseball team for 2023. Because the starting rotation, like you said, if that ends up as John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Tyler Wells, Kyle Bradish, all of a sudden that's a five with a lot of potential. Yeah. With Kyle Bradish and Tyler Wells at the four and five, where right now we pretty much have question marks. Let's switch over to the lineup here. Orioles opening day lineup. They're going with Cedric Mullins in center, Ryan Mountcastle at first, Trey Mancini is DHing, Austin Hayes in right, Santander in left. Interesting switch, switch there. Switch, 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 switch. Uh, Ramon Arias is at second, Jorge Mateo at short, Robinson Chirinos behind the plate, Kelvin Gutierrez at third. That lineup figures to be very different by season's end. Could see Jordan Westbrook. Could see Gunnar Henderson. Could see Yusniel Diaz. Could see Kyle Stowers. Could see Robert Newstrom. There's an infinite number of combinations. Yeah. But, Brendan, if you had to pick your one through nine, doesn't have to be in any particular order, but it, it feels like a, you have Mullins is going to be there by season's end. Mountcastle is going to be there by season's end. Hayes most likely is still going to be on this, uh, this lineup by season's end. Any other spot, Feels wide open here. Yeah. So my, uh, we're talking end of the year lineup predictions. Yeah, sure. All right. Leading off Cedric Mullins. <laughs> you don't have to give him in order. Oh, but... I want to. Okay. Cedric Mullins leading off and playing center field. Batting second, Adley Rutschman catching. You're doing your best Adrian Robertson impression. Thank you. Yeah. I, I try. Mm-hmm. Batting third, I think, is going to be Ryan Mountcastle playing first, fourth, Trey Mancini DHing. I think Trey Mancini sticks around. Makes it through the year? Yes. Okay. Batting fifth and playing left, Austin Hayes. Okay. Batting sixth and playing right, Kyle Stowers. Who did you have batting second? Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. That's right. (laughs) Batting sixth and playing right was Kyle Stowers. Okay. Batting seventh and playing second is Ramon Arias. He sticks around. I think he does. Okay. Where am I now? Eighth? Yeah. Eighth, playing shortstop, Mm -hmm. Jordan Westbrook. Yep. And then batting ninth (laughs) and playing third, actually, flop to two. Jordan Westbrook playing third. Yeah. This is why you shouldn't have given him an order. And then hitting ninth and playing shortstop, bit of a surprise, Joey Ortiz. All right. I like that. We went down to Bowie yesterday. Three legitimate shortstops in Bowie. I don't, I don't know. Kyle Moore said, the new manager down there after he got the promotion, he's going to try to go 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. So basically six games a week, and he's going to give Joey Ortiz, Gunnar Henderson, and Jordan Westberg two games at shortstop. Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz are both plus defenders at shortstop, and Gunnar Henderson is still very capable. And Gunnar Henderson is still a plus defender at shortstop at this point. The funny thing with Gunnar Henderson is that he's so big yeah that everybody just keeps going well he's gonna play third right and then he just keeps playing well defensively at shortstop and then everyone says well eventually he's gonna move over to third which he still might but 
he keeps proving people wrong. Yeah. That he can not play shortstop. And and Joey Ortiz is getting slept on. Yeah. I mean, he he's by us, by everybody, because he only played 30 games last year. We talked to him yesterday, and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this incredibly talented and exciting prospect who's in the Orioles' top 20 is also in Bowie, also playing with these guys, also yeah. on the same track, also got got the call up to Bowie before Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson. So I don't know how the Orioles are going to squeeze all those guys in. I like your your final nine. I think that's going to be awfully close to what we'll see. But that still leaves out Yusniel Diaz. Yep. That still, I think Yusniel Diaz is somewhere on the bench. That still means that Gunnar Henderson is waiting until 2023. Yep. It still means Robert Newstrom is either on the team as a fourth or fifth outfielder, or he's not there. He's down in Norfolk. It means Ryland Bannon's not getting the call up. It means all kinds of things. Well, those guys might find their way onto a bench somewhere. I think Robert Newstrom is a tweener. Yeah. Because I don't think you can justify putting him on this roster ahead of Ryan McKenna at this point, unless McKenna struggles at the major league level and Newstrom plays really well at AAA. Same thing with Yusniel Diaz. Yeah. More talented, but still a bit of a tweener. Infinite options, truly. Yes. In terms of the Orioles, Tyler Nevin, a name that we haven't even mentioned. Another tweener. Another tweener. So one of these guys, and keep in mind, there are going to be guys that are going to step up that we are not expecting. There are going to be guys that we are expecting to have great years that are going to struggle. Yeah. So it's going to be, our. we can give our predictions, but by golly, we're going to look silly in a few months. Yeah, and quickly on that potential future lineup, Jordan Westberg is ready, man. Yeah. I mean, oh, we, we yeah. talked to him yesterday, and <laughs> Steve Molesky asked him, you know, about his aspirations to be in Baltimore. And it was, I mean, it was confident. It was immediate. I want to be in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, he is one of the more intense guys. Yes. It's funny because you see Gunnar Henderson, who is not, I wouldn't, I would call him mostly laid back, um, you know, but he is not, he did not come from like a, he didn't go to college. He didn't come from a college program that, is ready to win. I mean, Jordan Westberg's used to playing in the College Baseball World Series. He's used to intense level of competition down in the SEC at Mississippi State. So he is fired up. He is locked in yeah. 24. I mean, that dude wakes up locked in. Yeah, he eats nails for breakfast kind of kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, we shook hands with Gunnar Henderson. Every time I shake hands with that guy, it engulfs my hands. Large dude. Yes. Gunnar Henderson. Gunner, with huge hands. Um and he was talking about his roommate, Joey Ortiz's hands at short, having incredibly quick hands. That's a smooth guy. There are even guys that we're not talking. Adam Hall, you had some great, great questions. Great question. Great questions for yesterday in yeah. terms of where he's turning into a utility guy, but he could be a plus defender at multiple positions. Yeah, Adam Hall, really interesting. Michael Elias talked about Yusniel Diaz and his season last year where it was kind of a wash yeah. because Yusniel Diaz was hurt. He had lingering injuries. He tried to play through them. It did not go well. Adam Hall, it seems like, had a similar kind of ordeal last year where he injured, I believe it was his hamstring early mm -hmm. on in the year, tried to play through it. It was just nagging him the entire year. Couldn't get past it. But he has come back stronger. He has come back faster. He has come back with, now it sounds like, the ability to potentially play center field. I think Adam Hall potentially has a bright future as a utility man. I don't see him as an everyday starter somewhere, but if he can play infield, outfield, he could be a valuable piece. I remember talking to him a couple of years ago, and he was, at that point, just kind of a wide-eyed young kid, and he looks different, he acts different, he acts much more relaxed. 
He's so intelligent when he gives answers. Um, very intrigued by him as well. But Brendan, let's get to our season predictions for the big league team. Yes. Most valuable Oriole. I don't think there was a soul on God's green earth other than anybody with the last name of Mullins who thought that Cedric Mullins would win MVO. I had a Cedric Mullins stan account, and I didn't even think that Cedric Mullins would win I mean, win most MVO. valuable Oriole, that was not a 30-30 no. season. No. Does I he, always thought he would be pretty good. Yeah. Does he repeat? I don't think he does. Who does? Well, who, who takes it? I think it's going to be Ryan Mountcastle. Okay. I think we saw all the signs from Mountcastle towards the end of last year, could have won Rookie of the Year, was chosen as the Rookie of the Year by his peers. And after that really slow start to the season, Ryan Mountcastle adjusted incredibly well, was able to figure some things out, and I think he is a legitimate number two hitter in this league. I think Ryan Mountcastle could hit 35 home runs. Yeah. Even with left field pushed back. Yeah. I think Mountcastle's a safe bet. I put him maybe as the odds-on favorite right now. Intrigued by Austin Hayes, but he still has some issues to correct. A healthy Austin Hayes is dangerous. Healthy is big, and if he can just make September his whole season, that would be enough. Uh, Still has to, you know, still has some holes in his swing and is not a a complete hitter quite yet. But, like Austin Hayes, I'm going to give this right now my preseason pick, John Means. Because you think about it, John Means has a no-hitter. He's got an all-star appearance. He is not one most valuable Oriole. What's next for John Means? What's next for John Means? In terms of importance, I think it goes no hitter at the bottom, then all-star, and then way above that most valuable Oriole. I think that the hitters are going to kind of, they might cancel each other out. I think there's a decent chance Adley Rutschman comes up and puts on a show. But I think, you know, look, I'm looking at the voters and I'm seeing them, it's like Oscar voters, and they're like, ah, the young kid will get one down the line. That was a great rookie year, but right. he'll get MVO for the next 10 years. Let's give this to veteran lefty John Means, who is going to, to lock down the rotation, doesn't need to be excellent, but I think if he repeats his production this year and does it for an entire season, I mean, if he had the same numbers, same ERA, same strikeouts per nine, throughout a healthy 2021, he would be rivaling Mullins for MVO. Absolutely. Um, he might not win it, but he was ultimate he was very valuable on that team it's just the two months that he missed in the middle of the year that killed him if he can just be healthy make 29 starts he could win it so paul with that prediction is john means your prediction when we are looking at the leader in starter era it's got to be and i think that somebody will probably have a lower one with lower sample size you know i think john means we may have somebody we may have like kyle bradish come up and has like a one or like a two era and 10 starts or something like that i've got one with a little bit of a larger sample size but will probably have a smaller sample size than john means yeah tyler wells wow I, i'm a believer in tyler wells yeah based on everything we've seen in spring training based on the stuff we saw last year it's even a, if he's only giving you 5 innings a game i know he was a starter back in the minors but that was a while ago it's just a big jump to make, and I'm not going to try to. I'm going to try to avoid the mistake that I made last year, which was getting too excited about Dean Kramer too quickly, because I saw all these good signs and he struggled, which was natural for a guy of his age and experience level. So I'm not going to try to make. I'm going to try to avoid that mistake. Yeah, but I can see a case where if he hits his ceiling, if he adjusts as well as we expect him to to that starter role, sure. Sure, I could see him leading the staff in here, or, or being close at least to means. It's it's pretty much all extrapolation for me 
at this point, projecting what Tyler Wells can do as a starter, because you're looking at his bullpen numbers and saying, well, if he can just do that for five innings rather than two, he's in great shape. So I think his numbers, his ERA is going to get a little bit worse than it was last year, but Tyler Wells was a really solid bullpen piece last season. And I think he could probably, I don't think the ERA is going to be amazing, but I think if he has an ERA hovering around four, that's a successful season for Tyler Wells. Absolutely. I mean, he had a four eleven last year and, he was he pitched better than that four eleven ERA. It, it appeared at least from the naked eye. Um, in terms of relievers, this is going to be the hardest thing to project because the Orioles traded away Tanner Scott and Cole Sulcer, two high leverage relievers, a week ago. So, in terms of who finishes the year in terms of saves or you know most valuable reliever, so to speak, it's tough to predict. I think our pick right now is going to be Jorge Lopez. Yep, because he is a reliever from the beginning of the season. He showed great stuff, has great stuff, has a great arsenal, and he looked good in the small sample size we got of him last year. And of all the guys in the really in the bullpen right now, he seems like the most likely to stick around to be in the bullpen from opening day to the last game of the season. Yeah, he's my favorite to lead the Orioles in reliever ERA and saves. Yeah. Because even what we saw as Jorge Lopez as a starter last year, It seemed like he got through three innings, got through the lineup the first time, was awesome. Got through the lineup the second time, eh, and then you couldn't pitch him the third time around the lineup. Yeah. So, shorten, just shorten the outings for Jorge Lopez, and hopefully it works out this year. And with guys not coming in preparing for him as much as they would with the starter. You know, they see him for three, for an inning out of the bullpen. They're not, it's not like they have a book on him. Yeah. And they're studying him going into that game. The stuff is good. The stuff is there for Jorge Lopez. Yeah. I think he can utilize it well as a reliever. All right. Those are our predictions. Any other predictions you want to throw against the wall, Brendan? How about an OPS leader, Paul? I would go with Mountcastle because he, like you said, he he just looks like a ready hitter. Yeah. He looks advanced beyond his years. His walks appear to be growing. His power, he will struggle with power a little bit because of the left field wall, but... He's going to hit, I'm think, imagining not a lot as of... Much ri- as people think. I think he's going to hit some ringing doubles off that wall. Yeah. And so maybe they're not homers, not as many, but he, he's going to hit some balls hard enough. His exit velo is good enough that those balls are just going to hit the wall. And it's not like Ryan Mountcastle's game is going to fall off a cliff with the left field wall being pushed back. He's still a good average hitter. Right. I think Ryan Mountcastle can realistically hit 260, 270 this year. Yeah. He is not the kind of power hitter that's going to hit... 212 with a thousand strikeouts. He's still a good contact hitter. Although I do think Cedric Moulton's beats him on batting average this year. Probably. Uh, but Austin Hayes, until I, as well, until I see him kind of fix his splits, I'm not ready to give it to him. But Hayes, I think, has a chance as well. A healthy Austin Hayes is a very good player. Yeah, absolutely. Who, know, who knows? Adley Rutschman could be the, just the excitement. That... Well, that's my pick for AL Rookie of the Year. There Adley you Rutschman. go. I think it's a good one. I think it's a lot of top guys, though. It's going to be a loaded rookie cr- class. Yes. The number of guys that are making that made the opening day roster, Bobby Witt Jr. is already putting on a show in Kansas City. Well, it's the top four prospects in baseball yeah. that are all going to be rookies Julio Rodriguez. in the American League this year. Yeah, Bobby Witt Jr. in Kansas City is the number one prospect according to MLB Pipeline right now. Adley Rutschman is number one in most other outlets, but you know we're not salty with MLB Pipeline. Adley's number one in our hearts. And then number three, Julio Rodriguez, cracked the opening day roster 
with the Mariners. Spencer Torkelson cracked the opening day roster with the Tigers. Yeah. And it sounds like from what Michael Elias said the other day that Adley Rutschman had the inside track to crack the opening day roster had he not been hurt. Yeah. So that AL Rookie of the Year race is going to be insane. It is. It's going to be an exciting year. I'm looking forward to it, Brendan. That Plenty of reasons to tune in. Again, may not see the Orioles tick up their win total all that much. I do expect a bump. If you had to guess their win-loss record right now, Brendan, I still think I, last year I predicted they'd lose 99 games. They lost over 100. I'd go around the same right now. I think that they maybe lose an even 100 games. They go 62 and 100. I think they go 64 <laughs> and 96. Is that math? I don't know. 64 and 96. Yeah, 64 and 96. No. No? That adds up to, no. That's not math. That's incorrect. You're missing two games, I think. I am. I'm going, right. to, I'm going to 64 I am. plus no, you're 96. Right. 66 and 96. Yeah. Is my prediction. Okay. It sounds 60. like you put a lot of math calculations math in Math is this. hard. I was not a math major. Yeah. I think towards the end of the year, once we see the Adley Rutschman's, well, hopefully Adley Rutschman will be earlier in the year, but once we see Kyle Stowers, Grayson Rodriguez, they might not be stars right away. They're not going to be putting up the kind of numbers in the major leagues that they put up in the minors, but I think they will help contribute towards the Orioles' win total. I think they will improve throughout the season. And I think the Orioles will look for different metrics of success this year. Yes. And Orioles fans should as well. And again, it's so hard to not reiterate just how good the AL East is. Yeah. There is a possibility that every single team above the Orioles wins 90 games. Every, I mean, the all four teams got better. Maybe the Rays got a tick worse, but that's what we said when they traded Blake Snell and they were better. I mean, so, maybe, but yeah. you can't count out the Rays. Yeah. And especially with now a full year of Wander Franco. I yeah. Mean, you could argue that that's better. Yeah, you could. Oof. Well, <laughs> we at least is going to be it's a gauntlet. ridiculous. It is a gauntlet. But the Orioles are beginning their 162-game season down in Tampa today. As uh, Michael I said, they are closer to the fight uh, than they have been in previous years. And the hope is that they bring some fight this year. Home opener is Monday against the Brewers at 3 o'clock. We will have full coverage all of this weekend, all of next week. We have some exciting pieces ready to go for you. Uh, coming up on Mass and All Access, on the Mass and App, on at Mass and Orioles, on <laughs> the on Mass and All Access podcast, YouTube, Spot on yeah. Spotify, YouTube, on Spotify. Uh, give us five stars, give us an upvote, all that good stuff. At Brandon Morty is his Twitter handle. I am at Paul Mancano. Happy opening day, Birdland. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.